Tell you who's ready, Salty A, Adam Oslin. Adam, how are you? Well, it's good, guys. It's good to be on with you. All right. Let me, let me start with this. I just want to start with this. I'm just going to run right through. All right. All right. All right. I Shut heard up. that too, Adam. Shut up. I there was someone else who used to sit in that seat that used to say it like that. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. How is Pat O'Brien? Oh, uh, you know, you'd probably know better than me. I ain't got money to hang out with people like that, Fred. Did you tell them the story of the uh, gift that Pat O'Brien gave you, uh, Adam? Oh, you know what? I used to be, you know, a little bit in awe because of Pat O'Brien's history, interviewing Michael Jordan before he went for 63 in the playoffs and all that. So I was trying to, you know, get a little bit closer with him, get his phone number. You know, Pat has all these connections. And for the longest time, it was this running joke that he wasn't going to give it to me. And then finally on Christmas, he gives me a box. It's wrapped up. It's not very big. It's about the size of a shoebox, maybe. So I don't know what's in there, but it feels very light. And I open it, and it's just his business card with his phone number on it. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Which I have not used in a very, very long time. And he wouldn't know who the hell I am now, I'm sure. You think that number still works? Uh, You want to try it right now? Should I I give him a text? We'll we'll see if he responds by the end. Right now, Adam. Yes. Text him right now. Uh, my man, I'm going to walk through that door and slap the hell out of you for this segment. <laughs> this little bit right here, not that funny. All right. <laughs> Can we move on, please? Yeah, we're going to move on. All right. Before we even get into the breakdown for tonight, the guy that's really annoying me is Jordan Poole. To me, he's Dylan Brooks. He's the same kind of guy. He's not talking to the media like Dylan Brooks, but he's the same guy. He's chippy. Uh, he's a bit cocky. Uh, he launched a 35-foot shot, of course, with time remaining on the clock the other night, which was a very poor choice. Uh, oh, you think he could have stepped in with Vanderbilt running at him like that, Fred? Is that what you think? I think there's like 12 seconds left. Attack the closeout. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think there's time. You That's just so. don't pull up and chuck it. Yeah, Quick, but there were really. some baddies. After he, in the- six, he was six for eight on threes That's up fine. until then, so, you That's know, fine. okay. Too much time. All right. Right. There were some hotties in the front row. He was trying to impress Fred. That's yeah, what Jordan yeah, Poole likes to do. Yeah, exactly. he's cocky, isn't he, Adam? He check. He he's check. more like a J.R. Smith type than I would say Dylan Brooks. There is a cockiness to him. He's a streaky player. He's a very talented player. He can go off and get you twenty-five or thirty, or he can get you five points. You never know what you're going to get. And he had a really poor series against the Sacramento Kings. Overall, they survived it anyways. They won't survive without him playing more sound basketball. And to his credit, for the most part, outside of that shot, he had a very good game, one against the Los Angeles Lakers. It was that shot that stood out to yep. everyone. The double comes on Steph Curry. He gives it up. Probably was looking to get the basketball back. And Jordan Poole said, no, it's Jordan Poole time. <laughs> I'm taking this. But I wouldn't compare him to Dylan Brooks. I mean, that that's... No. Uh, Dylan you Brooks know. is more like a Pat Bev irritant type, yes. you know. But he hasn't really earned anything yet in this league, obviously. And the Grizzlies look to be parting ways with him. Damian Lillard. Yeah. Is on a uh, what do you think about that, Adam? Just the Grizzlies. I'm sorry, the Grizzlies. If it's true, because Shams reported that, right, that that's what they said, that they don't have anything to do with Dylan Brooks, basically. That's a bit much for organization um, to just throw a cat under the bus. No, no, regardless, but throw him under the bus like that. Now other teams and other organizations looking like, we're not going to sign that guy either. I don't like that they're putting it all on him. 
Like he's the scapegoat for all of their problems as if they didn't have Steven Adams out and Brandon Clark and injuries going on. And plus, they just didn't play that well as a team. It wasn't just Dylan Brooks rallying up or getting LeBron James to play even better than the greatest player he is maybe of all time. Like, I I think there was extra motivation there for LeBron, but it's LeBron. He's going to play great anyways. So I don't think they lost that series just because Dylan Brooks challenged LeBron James. Was it stupid? Was it misguided? Yes. But they still have to find a way to replace someone who's a pretty darn good uh, defensive player for them over the last couple of seasons, a young player under a team-friendly salary, and someone that could get hot from the outside. He's done good things in Memphis. For them to pin all... The woes of this season of being a two-seed and losing in the first round on Dylan Brooks, I thought it was a little bit unfair. It was a little bit too much. Uh, Okay. As for the game tonight, the first thing, and we said it before game one, if Anthony Davis plays well, if he dominates in the paint, if he plays big, then the Lakers are going to be in pretty good shape. The Lakers are pounding the ball in. They're inside. The Warriors shoot from the outside a huge disparity in, in free throws in the game, but that's, I believe, because Golden State doesn't go to the basket, right? Golden State takes the most three-pointers in the league during the regular season. They were at 43 attempts per game. They took 53 in game one. And coincidentally, or not so much, they take the fewest amount of free throws in the league at about 20 per game. They were well under that in game one, but they also took 10 more three-pointers. So that is their style of play. That's not an outlier or an aberration, what we saw in game one. That's typically how they win. And that's why I picked the Lakers in six games to win this thing, just like I did against Memphis in the first round. Style of play matters in the playoffs, and the Lakers have this distinct advantage because they take more higher percentage shots that are more repeatable and easier looks to get than really any other team left in the playoffs. Guys, I'm telling you, I think Denver is the only team that can beat the Lakers in a seven-game series remaining. I really do, if they're healthy. It feels like we're we're going back in time a little bit where, where size and paint matters, Adam. It's not just total perimeter game. They dig the long ball? Well, not exactly, because it didn't work for the Warriors. But I see what you're saying. Yeah, size and just getting shots closer to the basket. Now, Anthony Davis did hit some mid-range shots to get to his 30 points. But he was getting easier looks, and they don't have a guy that can really match up with him. And not many do, but they traded away James Wiseman. Remember their young rookie? He had the knee injury. It wasn't working out. He's in Detroit now. I actually think... A lot of people have downplayed this, but I think he could play in this series and just give you some minutes and give Anthony Davis a little bit of a different look because he has such a size advantage. But the way they get to the paint, the way they attack, get downhill, drive, get to the basket, the Lakers play a style of basketball that wins in the playoffs, and it's similar to what we saw in 2020. Three-pointers for them are almost a bonus. When those start to drop... They become nearly unbeatable, and they do have some guys who can get hot from the outside. We saw Rui Hachimura in the first three games against the Memphis Grizzlies go off. Austin Reeves has had his moments. If Malik Beasley ever figures it out from the outside, you never know. He has a history of hitting shots from distance, but he hasn't been very good so far with the Lakers. Sure. I, I mean, they have multiple guys that can beat you. Even if Anthony Davis and LeBron James don't have monster games, they now have a better supporting cast around them. I said it after the trade deadline. I thought the Lakers were immediately a threat in the West. They got that much better. Look at Vando. 
and the way he's playing defense and making all the hustle plays and doing all the little things and embracing that role. You have to have guys like that on a championship team, and that may be what they end up being. (laughs) And and you said it, Adam, like – the Lakers have multiple guys that can do different things. You know, uh, for for the Warriors, um, Steph has to be on, and Clay. Has, you know, we've seen them win without it, but Clay has to be on for them to win the series. Um, they rely on tough shots. On. And even with that, even with those two guys going, there's no guarantee they're going to win because the Lakers gets them with multiple guys scoring. Yeah, I. Look, the Golden State Warriors hit 21 three-pointers, shot about 40% from the outside in game one, and they still lost. Like, that's pretty extraordinary that the Lakers were able to withstand that. The three-point battle, typically in today's uh, day and age, you win the three-point battle, you're winning the ball game. But I'm telling you, in the playoffs with the style of play that the Lakers have— they just have shots that are easier looks. The Golden State Warriors, you know, they may hit 15 three-pointers tonight and shoot 38% from the outside. And you say, oh, they got the advantage then. Steph's getting it going. He's hot. It doesn't matter if there's a team that's shooting 75% at the rim and taking a lot of shots there and getting a lot mm-hmm. of easy looks. It's not going to change drastically. And I think Golden State has a great chance to win game two because typically a home team that loses game one in a playoff series, they they don't drop two in a row. We saw what happened with Boston yeah. last night, it's even with Joel Embiid back. Yeah, yeah. the yeah. odds of you losing that game, you know, if you're a quality team, and they are, are pretty slim. But I still think it's going to be a close contest that the Lakers are going to be in because the clash of styles and the way they play, it works, and it works very well. They just have all these matchup advantages against the Golden State Warriors in this series. I don't know if Klay Thompson is going to be able to stay hot. I don't know if some of these shots are going to fall from the outside for the Golden State Warriors consistently to win four games, four out of seven against the Lakers. I, I would take the team that's taking easier looks and has more ways to beat you, and that's what makes the Lakers so dangerous right now. Uh, another thing that makes them dangerous is Golden State is negative when Steph Curry's not on the court. They're positive when he is on the court, and they keep an eye on his minutes because they can't play him every minute of every game. On the other hand, now, Anthony Davis played 44 minutes. Played the entire the second half. half. Yeah, he played every every basically every minute, and Darvin Ham said there's no more load management. I mean, now this is it. We're going for it. Well, the Warriors find themselves in a position where they can't do that with Steph. Well... Look, Anthony Davis on the floor, I think when he's been off in the playoffs so far, the Lakers have also been a minus. So it works that way with your stars, your big dogs, as Darvin Ham likes to call them. you got to ride these guys now. And you're either going to look run them into the ground minutes-wise and wear them out, or you got a chance to win a championship, which is what they're leaning into. Now's the time of the year where you got to play them 40-plus minutes in the playoffs. And Anthony Davis looking spry, looking healthy, when all these other teams are getting injured and beat up, and the Lakers, who have one of the most brittle players in the league, and Anthony Davis yeah. looks to be peaking at the right time. And LeBron James, who I still think might have off-season surgery on that foot, but he's hanging in there, and he plays well enough. And even though he was just 9 of 24 in Game 1, he makes all these other smart basketball plays that yes. help you win. You see him run the floor? To get those blocks? Yeah, and and the rebounds he had. Look, there was like a culture shock 
for the Golden State Warriors in that game one. After getting anything they wanted at the rim against the Sacramento Kings, because DeMontis Sabonis is not a good rim protector, all of a sudden they're getting swatted. I think the Lakers had about 10 Mm -hmm. blocks in that game. AD obviously had four of them. But that changes your aggressiveness and how comfortable you feel getting downhill and attacking and getting some of those easy looks because paint defenders are waiting for them in the Lakers, and they didn't see that in the first round. The Sacramento Kings didn't exactly give them a blueprint for how to go up against the Los Angeles Lakers. It actually hurt them in some ways. First of all, they had to go seven games, and they're a little bit gassed, and they only had one day off between Game 7 and Game 1 against the Lakers. But also, it didn't give them um, much of a preview of the style of play they're going to see with the Los Angeles Lakers. And now, they have to adjust and figure it out, but it could just come down to hot shooting and whether or not Steph's going to go for 40 or 50 like he did against Sacramento. And I don't think you can rely on that four out of seven. No. no as great as he that. is. Hey, what what do you think? Uh, is Phoenix done now with Chris Paul being where he is with the groin again? I feel bad, but, boy, that's the, that's the MO, right? I thought they Play were done time. coming into the series. It's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. CP3's older. You don't typically start getting healthier as a player who has been injury prone as you age. That's just, (laughs) that's not going to happen. So it was expected, but I think even completely healthy, they didn't look great to me against the Clippers. The Clippers were without Kawhi. They were without PG the last three games of that series, and they were very competitive in each and every one of those ball games late. The Phoenix Suns, you know, we talk about the matchup advantages and the style of play advantages that the Lakers have. The Phoenix Suns, They lean too much into taking mid-range shots instead of shots close to the basket and three-pointers. That's playing the analytics game. That's what most teams do nowadays. Now, the Lakers, a little bit the antithesis of that. They don't take a ton of threes, but they do get shots next to the basket. Phoenix is settling for long twos. They have two mid-range masters. It's great, but another team can even the playing field against them just by taking more three-pointers, winning the math battle. So they're going up against a Denver team, one of the better three-point shooting teams in the league, and they're the number one seed for a reason. And they have no longer the reigning MVP, but a two-time MVP in Nikola Jokic. You know, I had him winning that series in five or six games over the Phoenix Suns, who also, I think, had to play heavy, heavy minutes with their two main guys in KD and Devin Booker in the first round just to escape against a Clippers team that was down their two stars. They don't look right to me. Uh the way that they've thinned out their depth making that trade for Kevin Durant is really hurting them right now. Even if they somehow got past Denver, which I don't see happening, and I do think they could win game three, you're coming back home, you're down 0-2, but even if they somehow got past Denver, they're going to run out of gas. And I think the Denver Nuggets are taking this series, and we're going to be looking at Denver, Lakers, Western Conference Finals, same as it was in 2020, but this time outside the bubble. Uh, All right. Clippers exit interviews done, season over. Uh, Final thoughts, wrapping it all up. And really, what do you do when your two guys, as you point out, AD's here and he's going and LeBron's doing the best he can and he's playing. Your guys don't play or one of them doesn't play in the playoffs. What do you do? I think right now, if your solution is, well, we should trade or have a sell-off, you're getting pennies on the dollar. I I don't believe that's the solution. Uh, Could I see one of them being traded if the right trade came along? Sure, you explore all options, but I just don't see that as a realistic possibility. If anything, I think the Clippers double down and they try to find a third star. They use two first-round picks. Yes, they still have a couple left. (laughs) 
after the SGA trade. The 2030 first-round picks open up this summer. I think they could go after somebody like Zach Levine or Carl Anthony Towns or Bradley Beal or Damian Lillard and double down and try to run it back next season. Hope you get better luck injury-wise. And because, look, you could rebuild, you could retool, and your ceiling is going to likely lower. Where at least now you can say, hey, if those two guys are healthy, it's a lot to ask, I understand that, but if they are, we're a contender. We're in the mix. And when you look at the landscape of the NBA and how many guys have been injured, not just throughout the regular season, but now in the playoffs, there are no guarantees, no matter who you have. Yes, they have two injury-prone stars. That's a fact at this point. But there really are no guarantees. We've seen Embiid go down. We've seen Giannis Dinacumpo, Jimmy Butler, We've seen so many guys, Chris Paul, a little bit more predictable, but so many guys have gotten hurt. You just have to keep your window open and hope you're the team that has the health luck that year in the playoffs. I think that's where they're at, and this will be year five coming up next season of the 2-1-3 era with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard should they both return. And look, they're opening into a dome uh, after next season. I don't think they want to go in there without having any star power whatsoever. So to say they should just tear things down, try to get whatever picks they can, restart, I don't know if that's an option. I don't think that's something Steve Ballmer is interested in. He talked about it recently uh, at an Intuit Dome rally, saying, we'll retool some years, but under me, we're never going to be a team that's completely out of it. So that's the goal, to always be competitive. And as long as they have those two guys with how good Kawhi Leonard was, unfortunately, playing right before the knee injury, you know, I, I'm hoping he can come back just as strong as he looked the last three months before that happened in the playoffs um, because he looked like one of the top five players. Once again, one of the top three players in the yeah. NBA. And if you have one of those guys, you always have a chance. So I look at it like this. The Dallas Mavericks in 2006 were up two games to none on the Miami Heat in the finals. They end up getting losing the next four games, right? And ever, the narrative at the time was, Dirk Nowinski can't be your number one. You can't win with this guy. They just retooled. They reloaded. They brought in di- a different supporting cast, and eventually they broke through. In 2011, they won the championship, coincidentally, against the Miami Heat. Sometimes you just got to stay the course. These are the guys you're married to. These are the guys you're rolling with. You gave up so much draft capital to bring in Kawhi and Paul George. You just have to figure it out and hope one of these years things align the right way. And that that's where I'm guessing they're at. But they're also a front office that they have made big moves before. You know, six months after bringing in Blake Griffin, they traded him. They let him go. So if they see an opportunity, I think everything's on the table. But my best guess right now is they run it back or they bring in a third guy to help support two injury-prone stars during a long regular season and throughout the playoffs. Man, that's frustrating, Fred. That is frustrating because you're right, Adam. At game one, Kawhi was the best player on the court. You called in Clippers talk that night, Rodney. I did. I did. I I said, give give me LD Kawhi. I'm a, uh, with anybody. He looked like the best player in the playoffs once again. Like he was it picking up close. just where he left off in 2021. He was right back to that level and then some. You look yes. at the last three months. When he got back to regular minutes at 36 per night, he was putting up almost 50-50-90 splits. We're talking about just insane stuff from a guy who has, you know, while he's had an injury-riddled career, he's a top 75 player of all time. You know, yes. And he was playing his best basketball. 
So for him to go down like that, try to play through it in game two, still had 31 on apparently the torn meniscus. Like, yeah, he's so special and tantalizing that you kind of just have to ride with it and hope yeah, that one of these years right. it works out. I think you're right. I think you got to ride with it because, like you said, if you try to do it now, you're going to get pennies on the dollar. You're not going to get anything. And and what are you going to do? You start all over because you get rid of those guys. You, you pretty much are. Yeah, they've invested so much into this era and – it is unfortunate the last three seasons now have just come down to injuries, whether it was Kawhi first tearing his ACL and then Paul George last year getting COVID in the play-in. He couldn't go. Obviously, no Kawhi all of last season. And this year, surprisingly, they both combined to play the most amount of games in a season as Clippers. They combined to play 108 games. The Clippers had a lot of other things go wrong for them, though, this season to only win 44 games. That's just two more. Then they won all of last season without having Kawhi Leonard all of last season. There was a lot that went on this year that was, aside from the injuries, just a team that underperformed and underachieved. So they got a lot of moves to make this summer, regardless of what they do with their two big stars. Quickly before you go, Russell Westbrook, back or not? Well, it's likely they're only going to have $3.8 million to offer him. We'll see, because there were some comments earlier this season where it sounded like he wanted to get the bag, he wanted to be paid, he obviously is worth more than $3.8 million per season. It would be selling him on the culture, the environment, being embraced by Clipper Nation and the locker room, and he was, and he did great things for them. He had three amazing games in the five they played against the Phoenix Suns, and to have somebody like that you know, if he could be an innings eater for them in the regular season, now he'll be 35 next year, but he has been surprisingly, shockingly durable throughout his career. But he'd be a great guy to have to help take up some of the scoring burden and just all-around burden without having one of those two stars a lot of the nights. or some. You know, I expect Paul George and Kawhi Leonard to still miss 20 to 25 games throughout the regular season. So if you had somebody like Russell Westbrook, it would be great, but I don't know if they're going to be able to retain him for just $3.8 million. He can get he can get a much bigger contract than that, but we'll see. Clipper Nation loves him. He did great things for them. He kind of revitalized his career a little bit, uh, rehabilitated his image, depending on how you looked at him coming out of the situation with the Lakers and some of the stuff that came out in the reports and the vampire in the locker room. None of that was the case with the Clippers. So, it was great to see him in a Clippers uniform. I hope it's not short-lived because, uh, yeah, he became a fan favorite pretty darn quick. Appreciate the-